swear, every single time I start rolling with podcast stuff, whether it's interviews, scripts, whatever, whatever, something happens. Tries to stop me. I battle through. We are doing Edge of Your Seat podcast. Nothing stopping me. Well, if you've ever had anything happen to your insides, like diverticulitis destroying your colon, it hurts and it will knock you out. I was in the hospital for a week, surgery in a month, and they are going to cut a piece of my colon out and fuse the two good sides together. Yeah, that sounds crazy. It is crazy. I feel like I'm Frankenstein. The good thing is, is although I was out for a week, it was more like three weeks. I just didn't go to the hospital till the last week, but I was feeling it for three weeks, but I kept pushing. I was refereeing basketball games, doing interviews, doing podcasts in pain. So I went to the hospital and they're like, hey, if you would have waited a couple days, you would have become septic and there's a good chance that you could have passed away. Eek. Not trying to get too vivid, but I was throwing up bile, straight bile, nothing else, in a wastebasket at work. It was brutal. <laughs> but I'm good now. Uh, I had a lot of IV and uh, my arms show it too. IVs were all over the place and drawing blood. I am bruised up pretty good. Looks like I was just in an MMA fight. Maybe I got whooped like Usman just did over the weekend. Don't know if you saw that fight, but uh, he lost. <laughs> I think uh, his time is over. It's on to the next guy. And in the MMA, that happens a lot. But yeah, I'm back. Let's do some Edge of Your Seat podcast stuff. Talk, guess, laugh, have fun. That's what we do here. And this episode will be a lot of fun. We're going to mix some sports with some music. As we're bringing back, bring it back. We break down albums you know, since the streaming services are just about singles, the importance, the dedication, the amazingness of albums, full albums has been sidelined for quite a bit now, but they're still very important. And you get a whole range of music from an artist or a whole story in an album instead of just a song. And we've seen it here many times on Edge of Your Seat podcast with the Bring It Back segment that and whole album tells like a movie script. It goes from, you know, whether it's relationships and in the, in the beginning, it's amazing. And this happens and this happens. And then it develops into this and then the end. And it's a whole movie, pretty much a whole story in one album. And it's very important. And not just love stories, you know, somebody's popularity an artist. How they came from nothing, then they blew up, and then maybe tragedy happens, or they went to the next level in terms of blowing up. You know, there's so many different things that happen in music, and I don't think you get that in just a song. Sure, one song is gonna, you know, make a party, or it's gonna make you sad and make you feel some things, but a whole album takes that to the next level. That's what we do with Bring It Back. We've been moving through the Rolling Stones magazine top 500 list. Moving slowly, but we've been moving, we've been moving, and we're going to continue that. And got to thank you for your votes as we put up polls for every four albums in this list. We got to 448, and you voted for Otis Redding's Dictionary of Soul from 1966. So, we're going to break that down. It's a great album, Otis Redding, a legend who has helped many other artists 
during his time and after his time make some very influential, amazing music. Then the sports part, Princeton basketball is represented on this show. We have guest head coach Jason Smith, senior Grady Thompson, and senior Tegan Davis spoke with all three of them at different parts of the season before the postseason started. Season's over now. They finished 32-3 and in the regular season. They were in the Class 2A Burrow Valley Regional. They won it with a win over Stillman Valley. Then they fell to Rock Ridge in a 2A sectional semifinal. They were 24-0 and before losing to Normal University on Saturday, January 28th. If you didn't know Normal University, it's called U-High. Lost to them on January 28th. The first game of the season for the Tigers was November 21st. They went from November 21st to January 28th without a loss. That is very impressive in high school basketball. February 11th, they lost to Pleasant Plains for their second loss of the regular season. The third loss was to Rock Ridge in the sectional semifinal. So 32-3. and I mean, of course, they wanted a state title. The talk was about Princeton being a state team and, hey, they're going to make some noise. That didn't necessarily happen. But all through the year, they were packing gyms. They had people talking about them. They were the team of this area. Everybody was rooting for them, except people making comments on uh, Starved Rock Media's YouTube. As I was doing videos for Princeton games, did some other teams' games, St. Bede, LaSalle, Peru, Ottawa, did a little bit of all those, Putnam County, Hall. But uh, towards the end there, doing the Princeton games, the comments were getting pretty heated and talking smack. You got to have that too, I guess, so a team can rise above. Princeton had a great season regardless, and it's something they're always going to remember. 24-0, finishing 32-3. Never, ever, ever going to forget that. And of course... Because of a record like that, because of the type of players they had on the team, the accomplishments racked up. Grady Thompson became the all-time leading Princeton scorer, passing Joe Rucklick, who, if you didn't know, he is the man accredited with the last assist for Wilt Chamberlain's iconic 100-point game. So Grady Thompson passed him, all-time leading scorer ever in Princeton. And that is a long, long tenured history of great players and great teams. Grady Thompson was second team Illinois Basketball Coaches Association All-State. Tegan Davis was honorable mention. Thompson was first team Associated Press Class 2A All-State. And Tegan Davis was honorable mention. So both of them getting some love shared their way for the amazing seasons that they had. I mean, I've seen a lot of games. There were a lot of fun. There was dunks. They had the entire state glued to what they were doing. I just wanted to re-emphasize that. That's what kind of team this was. A lot of fun to watch. And I am honored to have them on this episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. We will also have win-lose stat, catching up on stats, wins, and losses from the end of the regular season and postseason We're going to go February 9th to like the 16th or 17th. Oh, and yeah, maybe I should drop this in there. I'm your host, Brandon LaChance. This is Edge of Your Seat Podcast, episode 256. 
Don't know where you're listening to this episode on, but you can catch Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the website www.rss.com backslash podcasts. That is with an S, that is plural, backslash Edge of Your Seat Podcast. On the socials, you know we're there. Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, Twitter, Edge of Your Seat P, and you can catch my personals, which is a lot of Edge of Your Seat Podcast stuff as well. Brandon Lachance, the last name is L.A. Chance for easy spelling purposes. On Facebook, on Twitter, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, like us, follow us, comment, star, 10 stars, reviews, all that good stuff. Please do that. Help us out. Let us know you're listening, you love the show, and to let other people know that we're out there just in case they haven't heard, got, haven't gotten a business card, haven't seen me walking around with the Edge of Your Seat podcast hoodie, haven't seen the banner, haven't seen any of that stuff, and we will be coming out with some more merchandise pretty soon because I've gotten a couple requests, and you got to love getting the brand out. So we will do that. If you have any questions, suggestions, comments, don't like something I said, or a guest, or you agree with us, you'd like to sponsor with Edge of Your Seat Podcast, any of that, anything more, whatever you'd like to say to us, send an email, Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, the love, the shout out to Brian Cavelli, Cavelli Productions for making the intro and outro beat for Edge of Your Seat Podcast. We're going to start with Bring It Back, then we're going to go to Win Lose Stat, and then the guest, Jason Smith, Grady Thompson, and Tegan Davis of the Princeton Tiger basketball team. Before we get to all our greatness, let's have a word from one of our amazing sponsors, First State Bank, who brought you this show. Have you heard the news? First State Bank is the first to offer Quillo. Quillo is an online personal loan officer that allows you to apply for a loan in minutes. Need to replenish your checking account? Pay off a high interest credit card? Or take that vacation you have always wanted? Check out Quillo on the First State Bank website using your phone, tablet, or PC. It won't impact your credit score to apply. There are no fees, no penalties, and payments you can afford. You'll need a First State Bank checking account, but no worries. You can apply for one of those online too. Check out FSB Premier's account that pays higher interest for doing a simple few routine activities. Go to firststatebank.biz today to see how you can get a Quillo loan with a new or existing checking account. First State Bank is member FDIC and equal housing lender. Let's bring it back. Otis Redding Dictionary of Soul from 1966 won this vote over 447 Bad Bunnies, X100 Pre. 446 was Alice Coltrane, Journey in Sachdenata. Hopefully I said that right. From 1971. Oh, Bad Bunny was from 2018. Alice Coltrane, 1971. And 445 was Yes, Close to the Edge, 1972. Otis Redding at 448 beat the other three pretty handedly. Everybody was feeling Otis, no doubt. So let's talk about Otis. Let's talk about the album. Then we'll break down some of the songs and I'll rank them as I listened to them. Otis Redding 
Born Otis Ray Redding Jr., September 9th, 1941. He died at 26 on December 10th, 1967 in Madison, Wisconsin in a plane crash. Craziness. Crazy, crazy. I mean, dying at 26 and he is known as a revolutionary R&B singer. He's got some rock-ish type stuff. He was like borderline James Brown, but not to that level. He was considered nicknamed the King of Soul because of what he was able to do for R&B, soul, blues, rhythm, all that good stuff. The Dawson, Georgia native, the fourth of six kids for his parents. And I'm going to say he is the uh, most accomplished, even though he only lived to 26 I mean, you're called the King of Soul. Like, that's that's a pretty big deal. To this day, he's still known as the King of Soul. One of the most iconic singers in the history of American pop music. And, like I said, a pioneer in rhythm and blues. He quit school at the age of 15 to help support his family. And he did it with music. He was a member of Little Richard's backup band called The Upsetters, performing at talent shows. So... If you don't know who Little Richard is, icon as well. And that's how we started, doing backup band stuff with the Upsetters. 1958, he joined Johnny Jenkins' band, the Pine Toppers. He was a singer. He was a driver. Toward the South. Kind of that nickel and dime. I'm doing everything I can to make some kind of money, but I love music. This is awesome. And he's young, so you know he's loving it. 1958, he's 17 years old. He's doing his thing. Got his first contract in 1962, and he made his first hit single, These Arms of Mine. His debut album, Pain in My Heart, was released by Stax Records in 1964. Before the plane crash, he had the recording Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, which is his most biggest, most listened to, most everything song that he ever made. And it came out after he had passed away. But sitting on the dock of the bay helped Otis Redding become the first posthumous number one record on both Billboard Hot 100 and R&B charts. Number one after he passed. Don't know if it was because he passed or because it's a great legendary song. Sitting on the dock of the bay was also the name of the album. It was the first posthumous album to reach number one on the UK charts. Also, posthumously, Two Grammys, a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award, and induction in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he's in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Did a lot after he passed away because of what he was able to do musically while he was alive. While he was alive, he had six albums from 1964 to 67. So in three years, the man put out six albums. Complete and unbelievable, the Otis Redding Dictionary of Soul which is the album that you voted for, which we are breaking down, was the fifth of his six studio albums. Then he had another five albums released after he had passed away. So 11 total albums. Outside of the music, before we start breaking down the album, at 18 years old, he met Zelma Atwood and he had a son, Dexter, a year later, summer of 1960. Otis and Zelma were married in August of 1961. Four children, Dexter, Demetria, Carla, and Otis III. 
Otis was known for his style. Just as much as his music, the dude had some swag. He owned 200 suits, 400 pairs of shoes, and he knew how to get money. He made $35,000 per week on concerts in the 60s, 1960s, making $35,000 a week on his performance, his music publishing, his royalties. And in 1967, he made $1 That is huge in the 1960s. And I did some research. Well, this is all research, but some more research. A columnist said in the 1960s, he sold more records than Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin combined. And if you don't know who Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin are, go Google, go listen on Spotify, Legends. The album, Complete and Unbelievable, The Otis Redding Dictionary of Soul, came out in 1966, released on October 15th, again by Stax label. It peaked 73rd on the Billboard 200 charts and 5 on the R&B LP charts. The album has 12 songs, 36 minutes and 15 seconds. So it's a quick listen. If you drive from Mendota to Rockford, you can hear the whole album. If you drive Peru to Ottawa, take a round trip and you've heard the whole album. So it's a quick listen. Check it out. The first side of the album is covers. Songs that he had gotten from other people or he asked to borrow, things like that. The second side of the original album was written by Otis. He had two singles on the album, Fa 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 Fa, a love song, and Try a Little Tenderness. Try a Little Tenderness is probably the biggest song on this album. The Fa 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 sad song was derived from the theme of the $64,000 question, which was a game show. And of course, we got to give a shout out to Otis Redding's musicians, the band. He had Booker T. Jones on the bass guitar and the keyboard and Isaac Hayes, a name that you might know, on the keyboards and the piano. Like I said, 12 songs, 36 minutes, 15 seconds. It's a quick listen, but it is a great listen. Let's break down the songs. I just wrote down a couple notes to share what I thought of the songs. So number one is the Fa 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 sad song, his first hit single. And it's sad, but it's created to make you not sad. It's like a body move song, but the meaning behind it is sad. He was left or relationship ended. And you know, I'm really sad, but I got to do something. So I got to turn this frown upside down and I'm going to dance. It's pretty uplifting for a sad song. The fa-fa-fa-fa kind of style. Number two is I'm Sick, Y'all. About headaches, trembling, suffering, in terrible shape, burning in the inside. It's because he was put out by a woman. Something happened. Now he's suffering. He's trembling. He's in bad shape. And it's because his heart is broken. Number three, the Tennessee Waltz. This is your typical 1960s ballad. It's a song for your boo thing. He lost his baby, trying to get her back. And the piano is really well done. It's pretty soothing. I liked it. Number four, Sweet Laureen. Kind of hard to hear him sing. The music is loud and he's got that like scratchy baritone voice that you can't hear as well over the music as some of the other songs. Again, this is produced in 1966. You know, it's kind of hard to 
get that great quality in music from 1966 that we're accustomed to in 2023. But Sweet Lorraine, want to kiss you from your head to your toe, love you more and more. Those are lines from the song. He just wants some loving from Lorraine. I call this 1960s baby making music. And the horns in this were fantastic. The trumpets, I think I got some trombones in there. Very, very well done. Number five, Chai A Little Tenderness is also a 1960s baby making music. Very slow intro. Otis showing how he can change his voice in the middle of a syllable is just iconic. And he does it all throughout the song. And this was the biggest song on the album. You can tell as soon as it starts until the end, like this was the jam. And one of the lines, it's not just sentimental. She agreed to care. So it's them in a relationship showing tenderness and keeping it that way instead of letting the relationship dissolve. And Otis had some tenderness, no doubt. Number six, Day Tripper. The original was by the Beatles. This is a cover done by Otis Redding. The songs don't sound the same. Otis deconstructed this in a masterful way. Just took the bare roots of the Beatles song and then created his vibe his aura around it and it sounds like an Otis Redding song it doesn't sound like the Beatles and the Beatles song sounds like the Beatles doesn't sound like Otis that's what you need to do to a cover Otis did it masterfully Day Tripper I had to look it up because I didn't even know what Day Tripper was that's not my uh my generation Day Tripper is a slang term for someone who failed to fully embrace the hippie lifestyle so if you weren't into drugs you weren't on the peace train, or to that level anyway, then you were a day tripper. Number seven, My Lover's Prayer. It's slow, also baby making music. And it's pretty much a prayer to why he loves his woman, what she means to him, and that he's praying that she doesn't go anywhere, she stays with him. Eight, she put the hurt on me. This is all about lust and what happens in the bedroom. And the horns emphasize it and make it very vivid of him saying, my baby socked it to me. I love this line that he had in here. She gave me 22 minutes of love. I had to think about it. She gave me 40 minutes. I had to talk about it. She gave me 60 minutes. I can't do without it. That's awesome. Love the line. It was a pretty cool song. Nine, Tone of Joy. It's another love song. I mean, Otis Redding made love songs. I would say out of the 12 songs in here, 10 and a half are love songs. Tone of Joy, this is classic R&B. This is what we think of when you think R&B. This is that song. The subtle tones of the melody and the harmony just perpetrating what he is saying, what he is singing, and making him stand out. And... He said this in probably about five or six songs on just this album, saying, you don't understand children or child. I think he says children in this one, but he does say child and children in a lot of his songs being, you don't understand. This is grown man talk. He said it in this a lot. Number 10, you're still my baby. It's the end of the relationship. He's sorrowful. He's in his head. He's thinking he's left alone. He says, it's pretty much bye-bye, baby. I wish you a lot of luck in the future. It's over, but you know what? To me, you're still my girl. I'm still in love with you. 11, Hog For You. That's Hog, H-A-W-G. And this starts with a rock and roll riff. The drums, 
the guitar. This is a rock and roll rift for sure in the 1960s. But he's infatuated. He's targeting somebody. He's knocking on the door like, hey, I want to be with you. You're awesome. Let's do this. He's a hog for you. And 12, the last song on the album, Love Have Mercy. This has a famous bass line, a famous drum line that was iconic in the 60s, 70s, still used in the 80s and 90s, and probably still used all over the place. It's just that riff, that bass line that you just know. Like you can, you know, use your thumb on a desk, which I'm imitating right now, just not hitting the desk so you don't hear it in the recording of this intro. But as soon as you hear it, you're like, oh man, I've heard that a million times. Well, Otis Redding kind of started that. And the pianos, trumpets, everything in this song musically is amazing. Amazing to say the least. But his heart's been torn apart. He needs a little mercy on his heart, on his soul. He didn't do that much that was bad in the relationship. It just didn't work out. But now he needs some mercy. He wants some love from that woman, but he realized it's not going to happen. So have some mercy on him and let him have some love elsewhere is what this song is saying. So he just wraps up a love R&B album with a love R&B song saying, hey, have mercy on me, man, please. When it comes to music, I don't really personally love listening to sad stuff. I believe there's enough sad things in life already happening. So I like kind of the uplifting stuff. So when I rank these albums, those are kind of higher, more appreciated to me that are upbeat, especially the upbeat songs that can still talk about the sad stuff. But don't make you depressed as you're listening to it just because of music alone. I try to stay away from those or don't really like that music as much as the other stuff. But to each their own, these are my rankings. You can rank them differently. Check out the album on Spotify. That's where I heard it. It's on YouTube. It's all over the place. Again, Otis Redding. Complete and unbelievable. The Otis Redding Dictionary of Soul from 1966. Check it out and listen to it yourself and see which songs you like better. But here are the ones that I liked and the ones I didn't like. We will start with the bottom and work our way up. So number 12 was track number seven on the album, My Lover's Prayer. Just really slow and crazy super mental, emotional about a prayer that he is writing about his girl, what she means to him. Just really slow, not my kind of vibe. 11, The Tennessee Waltz, another slow song. It's for his boo, 1960s ballad that you can definitely tell. I did love the piano, probably why it's not last, but probably won't put it on any playlist. 10, Hog For You. I really like the rock and roll rift, but the infatuating, kind of targeting woman kind of seemed a little creepy-ish. And I personally don't believe that anybody needs anybody that bad. I feel like we're pretty solid on our own, even in the 60s, and uh, just not my kind of vibe. But the rock and roll rift is why it's not last, because it sounds incredible. Number nine, Day Tripper, the original by the Beatles, like I said, does not sound the same at all. But uh, Day Tripper is a term that I didn't even know what it was. I had to look it up. Again, it's a slang term for someone who failed to fully embrace the hippie lifestyle I was not alive during the hippie lifestyle. Well, to that magnitude, I know there are still hippies and that kind of lifestyle exists today, just not as prominent as it did once upon a time, but not my generation, not my scene, so I couldn't really relate. 
Number eight, Sweet Lorraine. Again, hard to hear him. If you could hear him better, I probably would have liked the song a little more. But I like the lines. Kiss you from your head to your toe. Love you more and more. And just wanted some loving. And like I said, it's a baby making music. But it was upbeat, quick tempo, and just a cool groove song. Number seven, I'm Sick Y'all. The number two track on the album, or the second track on the album. About the headaches, about the suffering. He's in terrible shape. You know, he was put out by a woman. Again, it's upbeat. So we're talking about sad things and things that has happened to all of us, but we don't have to have the melancholy music to make you feel it. You can feel it and understand what he's saying through the upbeat music and like, hey, I can dance to this because I can move on. Rise above. Number six is you're still my baby. End of relationship. Sorrowful. He's in his head. Bye bye, baby. But I'm still in love with you. I mean, if it's over, move on, bro. But solid song. Music was good behind it. And I understood his meaning. And for the first couple weeks of relationship ending, you can relate. Or I can relate. Number five was Love Have Mercy, the last track. That bass line, the drum line, iconic. And I love to listen to it. The pianos, the trumpets, just everything musically just gelled so, so, so well. And I thought it was a great track to end an album that is pretty much a love album. Ton of Joy is all about love. You're still my baby. A hog for you. She put the hurt on me. My lover's prayer. Every single song in this album is about a woman. Love have mercy. You know, you do a lot of things. You go through a lot of things. Just have mercy on me. Have mercy on my soul. (laughs) And Otis Redding, you know, did his thing. Four the five, 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 five sad song. Again, a sad song that wasn't sad. It got you moving and was kind of uplifting. Like things are going to happen, but we're going to turn that frown upside down and do our thing. And that's what Otis did. And it did make one of my playlists. It's on a playlist. And so did number three, try a little tenderness. I have it on a playlist. Got a slow intro. And then Otis's vocals, like I said, he changes it on a syllable. (laughs) Like, he could just the range and up and down and he makes you feel every word that he is saying iconic it was just super iconic 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 just a great voice and that song is masterful but it's number three just because number two ton of joy i always think if you're going to be in love and you're going to be in relationship why are you not having fun why is it not joyful why is there so much drama Why is there so much stress? I don't understand that. I never will because I don't want to understand that. I want a relationship to be cool. You're in love. You're joyful. And that's what this song was about. That's why it's number two. Number one, she put the hurt on me. The horns, man. I played the trombone. I mean, it was a long, long time ago and I probably couldn't play it now, even though I can still read music. But I loved the trombone trumpet. All of those things. And in this song, they are so obviously just the song. It's just the song. And again, I'm going to read this line one more time. And this is what sold me on this song being number one. She gave me 22 minutes of love. I had to think about it. She gave me 40 minutes. I had to talk about it. She gave me 60 minutes. I can't do without it. And that's Otis Redding in a nutshell. Check out the album on Spotify, wherever you listen to music. Complete and unbelievable, the Otis Redding Dictionary of Soul from 1966. You voted for it. I listened to it. It was awesome. 
I will have the next four albums in a pool ready to go right after I edit and put this podcast out because we got to get these podcasts rolling. And as soon as we get this one out, I will put the vote up and we will get another album streaming, listening, figuring out what is so awesome about it. Next up, we have Win, Lose, or Stat, and it is brought to you by Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership that is dedicated to being community first. A small dealership in a smaller town, the staff of General Manager Ski Hartman and his associate Jason Hintz pride themselves in being here for you. They don't want to sell you one vehicle. They want to form a bond, a relationship to get you every vehicle you want in cars, trucks, and SUVs for your friends and family. Ski has lived in Princeton since he was five years old and has been with Mendota Ford for the last three years. He has plenty of experience helping you with all of your vehicle needs as he has been in the motorcycle business for 20 years and over 10 years in car sales and management. Jason Hintz has been with Mendota Ford for seven years, giving him the experience needed to help customers in every way possible. You can purchase any vehicle off any lot in the Mendota Ford family. Ski and Jason will make sure they track it down and hand you the keys with a little jingle jangle. To check out the many options on the lot, Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find a vehicle on another lot, check out www.mendotaford.com. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Mendota Ford. Let's get into win lose stat. We're going to catch up from February 9th. I put 9th to the 15th, but the girls' basketball regionals, the championship version, were the 16th and 17th, so I added those. We got girls' bowling sectionals. They were February 11th. Boys' wrestling sectionals were February 10th and 11th. Girls' wrestling sectionals were February 11th, I believe the 10th and the 11th. And girls' hoops quarterfinals started the 11th, and then they had the semifinals, the 13th and 14th, and then the 16th and 17th were the regional championships. So we did girls' basketball from the start of the regionals to the regional championships. The next episode, we will get state versions of girls' bowling, boys' wrestling, girls' wrestling, and then the girls, I'm going to go sectionals straight to the championship and we'll break down the regionals of boys basketball. Sorry, we got a little bit of behind. Like I said, I was in the hospital. Things have been happening, but we're getting caught up and diving into the spring sports as even though the weather has not been amazing, soccer, baseball, softball, track still being played, events still happening. Not as many as we would like, but we are still having events taking place. So Thursday, February 9th, boys hoops. Oregon lost to North Boone 51-31 for Oregon. Jordan Krogart had 10 points. Girls hoops, Fieldcrest 83, Princeton 39. This was the last regular season game for both clubs. Fieldcrest had a 28-3 record. Princeton had a 26-4 record. For the Knights, Caitlin White had 21 points. She knocked down five threes, all of this on her 17th birthday. Carolyn McGow, 20 points and eight steals. Riley Burton, 13 points, seven rebounds. And Macy Gokenauer had 10 points, also for the Knights of Fieldcrest. For Princeton, Cameron Driscoll led the Tigers, the Lady Tigers, with 10 points. 
El Paso Gridley lost to Prairie Central 60-37. For EPG, Miley Earhart, 16 points. Kaylee Randall had 13 points and 10 rebounds for a nice double-double. Sending some love, some prayers, some thoughts to the Prairie Central community out in Fairbury as two young gentlemen, I think they were 17 and 18, passed away in Colorado. I think they were on vacation. Uh, I believe it was a car accident. Uh, Just sending thoughts and prayers to that community, to their families. Rest in peace. Back to girls basketball. Newark 53, Mendota 19. For Newark, Kiara Wessa had 10 points. And for Mendota, Katie Jenner had 8. Amboy lost to Eastland 45-35. Leading the Lady Clippers was Maeve Larson with 11. Moving on to Friday, February 10th. Boys Hoops. Ottawa 56, LaSalle, Peru 45th. I was at this game filming for Starve Rock Media on the YouTube channel next season. If you can't get to a game, come check us out. We will be airing all regular season games, well, the ones that we're scheduled for, and then postseason as long as there's not NFHS hooked up in the school. They have a contract with IHSA and nobody else can film during the postseason if NFHS is contracted. But all other games, follow the socials. Like I said, Brandon LaChance on Facebook, on Twitter. Actually, on Twitter, I'm LaChance Writer. So L.A. Chance Writer. And you will see where we're at for the games and you can watch them. A little ways away. I mean, you got to wait till November. But remember us, we'll have the games aired just for you. More Boys Hoops on Friday, February 10th. Earlville 72, Samanak 53. For Earlville, Ryan Browder 21 points, Adam Waite 18 points, Diego Vasquez 17 points, and Garrett Cook had 14 points. Indian Creek 56, Lamoille 55. For Indian Creek, Jeff Propes had 17 points, and Logan Schrader had 14 points. The end of the game was very exciting as Sam Genslinger hit a three late in the fourth quarter for Indian Creek. Then Jeff Propes was fouled with less than two seconds left on the clock. He made both free throws and gave Indian Creek the one-point victory over Lamoille. El Paso Gridley 68, Tri-Valley 45. For EPG, the Titans. Micah Meese had 30 points, knocked down three threes. Jonah Funk had seven points and seven rebounds. Celebrating the 100th year of the Kiwani school song resulted in a win for the Boilermakers as Kiwani beat Hall 57-49. For the Boilermakers, Blaze Lewis had 22 points, Brady Clark 20, and Cottrell Reed had 10. The Red Devils of Hall were led by Macrosetich's 30 points. Princeton 80, Newman 32. Tegan Davis had 29 points and Grady Thompson had 22 points. This gave Princeton... The Three Rivers Conference East Division Championship as they finished the conference 12-0. The first time Princeton had won the conference since 2010. Big props to Princeton. That's why we got him on this show. Coach Jason Smith, Tegan Davis, Grady Thompson, all on this show talking about the amazing season that they had. Also from Friday, February 10th, Henry Sinatuan, 56 Putnam County, 39. For PC, 
Austin Mattingly had 18 points, Jackson McDonald had 17 points and 10 rebounds. Amboy fell to Milledgeville 55-34 for the Clippers. Troy Anderson and Eddie Jones had 8 points apiece. Let's break down some postseason. Girls Bowling Sectionals. We already did the regional on our last episode, so now we were at the sectionals. Dundee Crown Sectional. Hanamiga won it with a 61-42. Sycamore was 7th with a 51-11. Caneland came in 9th with a 48-74. And Rochelle was 12th with a 45-62. The top four teams advanced to state, which unfortunately we didn't have any representatives, but individuals not on a state qualifying team, they take the top five. And we had two in there as Caneland sophomore Emma Pernis had a 13-41, and Oregon senior Ava Wright had a 13-12 to advance the state. Congratulations to both of them. In the Eisenhower, which is indicator, sectional, Joliet West won with a 59-73. LaSalle Peru advanced as a team with a 55-46. Dixon was sixth with a 50-56. St. Bede was eighth with a 47-67, and Kiwani was ninth with a 46-70. For LaSalle, Peru, junior Olivia Weber led the way with a 12-49. Junior Mackenzie Hamilton had a 12-16. Senior Christine Ritchie had a 11-07, and Annalise Ritchie, who is a sophomore, had a 10-39. Two individuals advanced to state, as Dixon senior Grace DeBoard had an 11.75, and Kiwani senior Maya Marocha had an 11.53. Check out episode 255. We had Maya Marocha talking about golf as she advanced to state in golf, finished 8th in Class 1A. That is huge. And then advances to state in bowling. So quite a senior year for Miss Marocha. We will have the state results in the next episode for Girls Bowling. Moving on to boys wrestling sectionals. These were February 10th and 11th. 3A, normal community sectional. We had Yorkville there. So all five, there was five advancers from sectional to state are from Yorkville High School. At 132, finishing second was sophomore Jack Ferguson. 145, finishing third was sophomore Ryder Janisco. 170, Winning a sectional championship with sophomore Luke Zook. At that point, he had a 40-7 record as he won the sectional championship with a 6-3 decision. 195 finishing second was senior Hunter Janesco. And at 220 was another sectional champion, this time junior Ben Alvarez. At this point in the season, he was 34-8 and he won the sectional championship with a 4-1 decision. In the Class 3A Conant, which is Hoffman Estates, sectional, we follow DeKalb. They had four state advancers as sophomore Caden Claprope finished fourth in 106. Senior Austin Martin was second at 145. Junior Jacob Luce was second at 152. And sophomore Sean Kokobek was third at 160. The Class 2A Rochelle sectional. We had a lot of schools involved in this one, so... A lot of stats to break down. At 106, finishing third was Ottawa Jr., Ivan Munoz. 113, Rochelle Jr., Tommy Turdot. At 120, Xavier Villalobos, a sophomore from Rochelle, finished fourth. 126, 
Joseph Maydig, a sophomore from Rochelle as well, finished third. Geneseo sophomore Zachary Montez was third at 132. Geneseo freshman Malachi Jackson was fourth at 138. And Geneseo freshman Kai Wiesenzerl was third at 145. 152 finishing second was Gus Cambier, a senior from Sycamore. 160, winning a sectional championship from Sycamore, senior Zach Crawford. At this point, Zach Crawford was 38-1, and and he won the sectional championship with a 2-0 decision. 182, finishing third, was Brock Metzger, a Rochelle junior. A LaSalle, Peru senior, Connor Lorden, finished second at 220, and finishing third was Caden Morris, a sophomore from Rochelle. 285, finishing second, Lincoln Cooley, a senior from Sycamore. The Class 1A sectional also had a lot of teams involved in this one. 106, finishing second was Josiah Perez, a freshman from Polo. Finishing third, Aiden Larson, Yorkville Christian sophomore. And a freshman from Princeton, Augustus Swanson, was fourth at 106. At 113, finishing second was Landon Blanton, a freshman from Amboy. Finishing third, Aiden Raleigh, a junior from Dixon. At 120, winning a sectional championship, Yorkville Christian Jr. Ty Edwards. At this point, he was 42-6, and and he won the sectional championship with an 11-2 major decision. Also at 120, finishing third, Aaron Meenan, a senior from Rock Falls. 126, Brady Grennan, a junior from Newman, was fourth. 132, finishing third, was Wyatt Doty, a senior from Polo. 138, finishing second, Carter Rude, a junior from Newman. 145, winning a sectional championship, Stillman Valley senior Aiden Livingston. At this point, he was 28-6 on the season, and he won the sectional championship with a 4-3 decision. Finishing third at 145 was Drew Torza, a Yorkville Christian senior. Finishing fourth was Augie Christensen, a senior from Princeton. 152, taking third was Jack Sechrist, a Stillman Valley senior. 160, finishing third, Tyler Martinez, a Yorkville Christian senior, and a Yorkville Christian senior, finished fourth at 170 in Jackson Gillen. At 182 in the Class 1A Oregon sectional, finishing second was Andrew Forcier, a Stillman Valley senior. Third was Christopher Durbin, Yorkville Christian Sr. Finishing fourth was Kyle Jones, a junior from Byron. At 195, finishing third was Julian Torres, a Genoa Kingston Sr. At 220, finishing fourth, Jared Clonch, a sophomore from Byron. 285, Alex Diaz, finished second, a senior from Plano. And finishing third at 285, Dixon Sr., Sean DeVries. Class 1A, Cole City Sectionals, Seneca had four advanced to state. At 113, finishing third, Ethan Othan, a freshman. At 160, finishing third, Asher Hamby, who is a junior. At 170, senior Colin Wright finished third. And at 195, Seneca junior Chris Pura was second. Class 1A Clinton sectional. 138, finishing second was William Taylor, a Kiwani senior. Finishing fourth, Tyler Roth. El Paso Gridley Sr. 152 winning a sectional championship. Kiwani Sr. Max Kelly. At this point, he had a 40-8 and record, and he won by pinfall at 129. 
At 160, another sectional champion, this time a senior from El Paso Gridley, Dax Gentes. He was 48-1 at this point in the season, and he had an 8-1 decision for the sectional championship. 182, finishing second, El Paso Gridley senior, Cody Longland. That was the boys' sectionals. Let's get to the girls' wrestling sectionals. The Geneseo sectional, 100 pounds. Finishing fourth was Keely Damiancic, a freshman from LaSalle, Peru. 105, a freshman from DeKalb. Finishing second was Alex Gregorio. At 110, finishing second, Morris Jr., Ella McDonald. 115, Sandwich Jr., Ashlyn Strenz was second. And DeKalb sophomore, Reese Zimmer, was fourth. At 120, finishing second, Yamalit Aguirre, a Yorkville junior, and finishing third, Brooklyn Schaefer, a Caneland sophomore. At 130, winning a sectional championship, Savannah Hamilton, a sophomore from El Paso Gridley. She was 18-10 at this point in the season, and she won the sectional championship with a 10-0 major decision. Finishing fourth at 130 was Sammy Greeson, a freshman from Seneca. At 140, also at the Geneseo sectional, Finishing fourth was Gia Ritter, a Geneseo junior. 145, winning a sectional championship, Valerie Hamilton, a junior from El Paso Gridley. Finishing fourth, Taylor Kruger, a senior from Geneseo. At 170, taking third, Bailey Herr, a Putnam County sophomore. And at 235, winning a sectional championship, Ottawa freshman Juliana Thrush. 18-10 on the season and 120 pinfall for the sectional championship as of right now there are no classes in girls wrestling they just had four sectionals via location and then the top four placers in each weight class advanced to state so congrats to the girls that made it to state out of the geneseo sectional let's get to girls hoops we'll break down regional quarterfinals which were february 10th and 11th The semifinals were the 13th and 14th, and then the regional championships were the 16th and 17th of February. Class 1A, Abington, Avon, sectional, subsectional A. If you don't know how basketball in high school is broken down in the postseason, there is one school, this time Abington, Avon, and the teams are divided into two subsections. There's an A and a B, and then they will meet for a sectional championship. But each sub, so sub A, will have two regionals, and then they will play for a sectional semifinal. Then they meet the sub B in the sectional final. That's how it's broken down. So, Abington Avon sectional sub A. In a quarterfinal, number 7, Roanoke Benson, 41, Monmouth United, 32. Roanoke Benson went on to the semifinal, but lost to number 1, Elmwood, 55-42. to in the 1A Abington Avon subsectional B in a quarterfinal, number three Anawan beat Stark County 52 to 31. In a quarterfinal, number six Weathersfield beat Allwood 45 to 30. This set up a semifinal between Anawan and Weathersfield, which they co-op for quite a few sports. Basketball is not one of them. Number three Anawan beat Weathersfield 56 to 33. Anawan went on to the regional championship and won, defeating number two Brimfield 51-39. Anawan, the regional champions. 
The 1A polo sectional. This is subsectional B. In a quarterfinal, number eight, AFC, defeated number 11, Indian Creek, 56-18. In another quarterfinal, number 11, Newman, lost to number eight, Pearl City, 32-30. In a semifinal, number one, Amboy, beat AFC, 50-42. And in the other semifinal, number four, Polo, 51. Number six, Forreston, 45. In the regional championship, Polo became the regional champs with a 49-43 victory over Amboy. In the 1A Serena sectional subsection A, in a quarterfinal, number 9 Midland, 42, number 10 Henry Sinanchuan, 37. In the quarterfinal, number 6 St. Bede, 55, number 11 Depew, 12. In a semifinal, number 2 Putnam County defeated number 9 Midland, 27 to 22. In another semifinal, number three Newark beat number six St. Bede, 64-55. This set up a regional championship game between number three Newark and number two Putnam County. Newark ran away with it, 48 to 23. Newark, the regional champions. Class 1A Serena subsection B, the top part of the bracket. Quarterfinal. Number 8, Earlville, lost to number 7, Dwight, 57-43. In a semifinal, number 1, Serena, beat Dwight, 56-25. In the other semifinal, number 4, Marquette, 65. Number 5, Gardner South Wilmington, 38. In the championship, Serena was victorious, 41-37 over Marquette. Serena, the regional champions. In the bottom half of the subsection B, in a semifinal, number two, Hinkley Big Rock, 60. Number eight, Westminster Christian, 17. In the other semifinal, number five, Yorkville Christian, lost to number three, Harvest Christian Academy, 42-41. Talk about a heartbreaker. In the championship, Hinkley Big Rock defeated Harvest Christian Academy, 33-30. Hinkley Big Rock, the Lady Royals, the regional champions. Class 2A, the Winnebago sectional, subsection A. In the top half of the bracket, quarterfinal, number 8, Oregon, fell 52-56 to number 7, Rockford Christian. In a semifinal, Byron, the number 1 seed, defeated Rockford Christian 74-38. In the championship, Byron defeated number 4, Winnebago 78-59 to become the champions. In the bottom half of the Winnebago subsectional sub-A quarterfinal, number 5, Genoa Kingston, 46, number 12, Richmond Burton, 20. In the semifinal, Genoa Kingston lost to number 3, Marengo, 46-38. In the 2A Winnebago subsection B, top half of the bracket, quarterfinal, number 9, Samanac lost to number 8, Aurora Rosary, 53-40. Another quarterfinal, number 7, Sandwich, 59. Number 11, Mendota, 26. In the semifinal, Sandwich defeated number 4, Wheaton Academy, 39-37, sliding into the regional championship. However, Sandwich lost to number 1, Woodstock Marion, 44-39. In the bottom part of the 2A Winnebago subsection B, the quarterfinal, number 6, Rock Falls, 75. Number 12, West Carroll, 12. In a semifinal, number two, Stillman Valley, 58. Number 10, Riverdale, 30. In the other semifinal, 
Number six, Rock Falls, lost to number three, Ullman, 42-37. In the regional championship game, Stillman Valley become a regional champion, defeating number three, Ullman, 42-35. In the Coal City 2A, subsection A, in the top part of the bracket, in a semifinal, number one, Fieldcrest, beat number eight, Mantino, 77-36. In another semifinal, number four, Seneca, 58. Number 12, Beecher, 22. In the championship, Fieldcrest knocked off Seneca, 36-25, giving Fieldcrest a regional championship. In the bottom part of the Coal City subsection A, in the quarterfinal, number 10, El Paso Gridley lost to number five, Hersher, 57-25. In the 2A Rock Ridge sectional, subsection A, in the bottom part of the bracket, quarterfinal number nine, Burrow Valley 60, number six, IVC 45. In another quarterfinal, number five, Hall 52, number 10, Kiwani 37. In the semifinals, number two, Princeton knocked out number nine, Burrow Valley 57 26. And in the other semifinal, Hall fell to number three, Monmouth Roseville 55 30. In the championship game, Princeton also lost to Monmouth Roseville, 65-53. In the 3A Peoria Richwood sectional, subsection A, the top part of the bracket in a quarterfinal, number 8, Morris, 42, number 9, Streeter, 21. In the semifinals, number 1, Geneseo, 56, Morris, 20. In another semi, number 4, Ottawa, 51, number 6, LaSalle, Peru, 34. In the championship game, Geneseo was victorious 55-50 over Ottawa, Geneseo, the regional champs. In the 3A Peoria Richwood subsection B in the semifinals, number 7 Sterling lost to number 2 Galesburg 54-32. In the other semifinal, number 3 Dixon was upset by number 5 Rock Island 45-44. I had seen Dixon earlier in the year against Mendota, and they were amazing. So this was an upset. I was surprised Dixon got a three seed. Dixon was a really polished team. Lots of shooters, fast tempo, really good team. Unfortunately, just wasn't their day against Rock Island. In the 3A Glenbard South, subsection A, in a semifinal, number eight Plano lost 68-34 to number three Burlington Central. In the 3A Glenbard South, Subsection B, top-seeded Sycamore, defeated number six, Freeport, 58-27. In another semifinal, Caneland, 51, number five, Rochelle, 45. In the championship, Sycamore defeated number four, Caneland, 49-28. The top-seeded Spartans, Sycamore, won a regional championship. In the 4A Hampshire sectional, in a semifinal, number eight, DeKalb lost to number one, Huntley, 59-38. And in the 4A West Aurora sectional, in a regional semifinal, number 10, Yorkville, defeated number eight, Plainfield North, 66-55. But unfortunately, in the championship, Yorkville fell to number one, Lyle Bennett Academy, 57-34. If you hadn't noticed, that was a lot of regional champions in girls basketball, 10. 10 of them. 1A, 2A, 3A, 10 regional champions in our area. 
Congrats to all the girls coaches, all the players for winning a regional. I know it seems easy. Oh, it's just a regional championship, but it's not. It's not at all. And some of these regionals get stacked with really good teams. It is hard. So congrats to them for winning regional championships. Hello, Mendota, Ottawa, Amboy, Rock Falls, Sterling. Resolve to make stronger connections with Surf Fiber Internet. Right now, get two free Eero Wi-Fi routers with gig speed. And with all speed plans, you can add on a home phone for just $10 a month. Unlike the other guys, there's no contracts, hidden fees, or annual rate increases. Ever. Don't miss out. Call 844-955-SURF or visit surfinternet.com to make the switch today. Limited time offer. Restrictions apply. Well, that's the intro. I know it's just a tad long, but got to talk music. Got to break down postseason. Got to talk. Got to do what we do on a podcast. And we're going to continue that with our guest. First, Jason Smith, the head coach of the Princeton Tigers. Then senior Grady Thompson and senior Tegan Davis as they wrapped up their Princeton basketball career with a 32-3 and record. Won a regional championship, fell in a sectional semifinal, but what a great season. Just lots of fun, dunks, smiles, threes, steals, rebounds, everything that you needed to do on a basketball court, the Princeton Tigers did, and they made it look easy. Well, let's get to Jason Smith, and we'll keep it rolling with the interviews from there. Until next time, peace. If you are paying attention to Illinois high school basketball, then you know what the Princeton Tigers are doing. 23-0, and we had to have representatives of the squad on here. We're going to start with Coach Jason Smith. Coach Smith, how's it going, my friend? It's going well, thank you. I just mentioned the record. 23-0, and 0, and you guys are making it look good. It's been a fun ride. Uh, all hats off to the kids. They've been working hard in practice, bringing it alive to the games, and executing to darn near perfection. So um, hats off to those guys to uh, continue to work hard, share the basketball, play really good defense, and uh, the rest is history. I had the pleasure of seeing them last weekend or seeing your squad, you, the everybody against St. Bede at St. Bede and then at Ottawa on a Friday and a Saturday in a 30 and a 20 point game. And you saw every element of basketball played at a top level. Three point shooting. We saw fast break dunks, fast break layups, good defense and the athleticism. It seems like you, your squad has a little bit of all the components you need for a good team. Yeah, for sure. I think I think we have a really good makeup on this team. You know, starting with our point guard and Court Lawson. Uh, you know, our shooting guard with uh, Grady Thompson. Forwards with Colton Monroe, Noah Laporte, and Tegan Davis. So those five guys set the tone. You know, and then we bring kids off the bench like Christian Rosario, Tyson Phillips, Jimmy Starkey, uh, Bennett Williams, Landon Coning, and the list goes on and on. So we can hit you with a lot of different ways. A lot of different looks. They're basketball junkies, so you can feed them something and they'll take it and run with it. And I think that's what makes this group so special is is you don't have to show them over and over and over again. You can just show them one time and they catch on so quick and they'll, they'll roll with it. So I'm really excited about this group. Really happy with their performance so far. Just got to keep being hungry and wanting to reach that next level. 
And I am not going to say any names because that's just not the kind of person I am. But when I was walking through the fan section, the bleachers, I heard at these games there was an over or under on how many dunks there was going to be in a game. Yeah, I've heard I've heard that a lot too. So you know, I asked uh, one of the kids. Told me you got to get five dunks today. I said, well, would you rather have five dunks or, or win the basketball game? And he said both. So, you know, the fans like to see it. The boys like to do it. It really energizes them. And uh, I think, you know, a made dunk outweighs a missed dunk any day. And I think the momentum you gain by that, you know, why not give them the green light to do it? So we miss a ton of layups. So you can miss a dunk or two as well. So I'm really excited that the kids can do it. And they like to do it. And they throw it down. And uh, I can't believe how some of those kids just do it with ease. I mean, I wish I could dunk a basketball when I was in high school, but the only thing I could dunk, unfortunately, was a donut, so. <laughs> I had that same issue. I could dunk a donut, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can relate. That, that's for sure. How many guys do you have on the squad that can dunk? Um, I would say four to five with ease. Probably seven or eight. Uh, not as easy. So, you know, the kids all play within themselves. They hardly, rarely even showboat while they're doing it. It just comes natural. And uh, it comes within the game flow of them, and, and they have gotten pretty good at it. So, uh, you know, good for them to do that. The crowd loves it. I think the crowd's getting a little spoiled with it, though. I think they come to expect it, not, you know, not just enjoy it, but expect it. So uh, just enjoy it. You don't see these kind of teams very often, and just enjoy the ride with us, that's for sure. Coming into the season, obviously you knew you had an athletic bunch. You have athletes that play multiple sports so you know that they're you know competitors you come into the season i don't know if you have expectations or goals set but did you think you were going to start the season 23 and 0 did i think we were going to start the season 23 and 0 no i didn't did i think we were going to have a great season yeah i did you know i thought last year we kind of settled just for a regional championship and so they kind of left the sour taste in my mouth um as a coach not with the players, but as within myself, like I need to rethink the expectations of these guys and set expectations a little higher than just a regional championship. So on the first uh, first practice of summer, I went and got a replica state championship trophy. And A&M, A&M Products was good enough to let me borrow one. And I sat in the middle of the gym floor and I just let the guys look at it as they came in to the gym to grab a basketball. And so we sat there and talked for about the first five or ten minutes before even practice started about expectations and it's okay to set your goals high. And this is what you want to achieve because if you can achieve this, all the other stuff's going to come with it. You know, and I think they've really taken it to heart. So I think if you can kind of visualize something, a goal, I think kids usually try hard to reach that visualization, right? And so I think it was good for us to set that expectation early. And often, and, uh, and the kids don't want anything less than that state trophy. No doubt. And with that comes a lot of hard work, which it sounds like they put in. But also, you know, I've heard around, like, hey, if there's anything that's going to get the Tigers at the end of the season, during the postseason, is the lack of competition. I know the Three Rivers Conference East Division maybe not as tough as, as it's been in the past. Have you thought about this or worried about this or just playing who you play? I mean, I don't think you can control that. I think you just play who you play. I mean, I think you got some good competition over in Ottawa, right? We're playing bigger schools over at the Ottawa Thanksgiving tournament. Beat a number, I believe, six or seven ranked team uh, in Pontiac over in Ottawa to win that championship. And Pontiac's a really good team, and they're playing really well right now. We 
turn around in the Kimoni tournament and we beat them again in the Kimoni championship. You know, there's two really good wins and we're playing bigger schools too. Ottawa and Marquette, I know there's a small 1A school, but they're a legit 1A school. You know, we beat them. So, you know, I mean, we picked up normal U-High on Saturday, which will help. Um, we play Pleasant Plains at the end of the year, which will help. I mean, what's going to help us right now, what has been helping us is every team's giving us their best shot, right? So, one, that helps us to have better competition. But two, it helps us down the road for playing in the postseason play, too, because every game has a postseason feel to it. So when we get to the postseason, uh, the kids won't be shocked by it. So I think all those things have prepared us. So I guess the answer to your question is you just play who you play and you, and you make the most out of who you play. And uh, I think people read into that way much more than they should. I know if I saw Princeton on the schedule and I was a basketball player, I'd be eating Wheaties. I would be practicing harder than I ever played. I would come to play against your squad. Your squad. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you're seeing that, and I think that's why everybody's like, you guys are starting out so slow. I'm like, are we starting out slow, or is the other team playing extremely hard and extremely well? I mean, it's a little bit of both, right? So, you know, that's something that we've been accustomed to. We're getting uh, getting through it and then playing well because of it. So, like I said, that's just uh, laying out expectations for us into the postseason. That's really helping us out, and we encourage all teams to give us their best shot because we really enjoy it. You and I have both mentioned Ottawa, and in that game, I mean, Ottawa came out on fire. You, I think it was a two-point game at halftime, and what I saw the difference was your defense. I mean, you guys didn't, like, you weren't doing anything different on offense. You're pushing fast break, you know, you're taking the same shots, but it seemed to me as soon as that defense cracked down, Ottawa was kind of out of the game. Yeah, I think, you know, our defense uh, seems to wear on teams, and, and you usually see that in the second half or in the first half. And, you know, if the teams are going to go on go on a roll in the first half, our defense is good enough to be within striking distance, whether it's two points. I think the most we've been down at, at half is five. Our defense keeps us in reach, and then they really start taking over in the third quarter because we start to wear teams down not only physically but mentally. we got such great length. You know, our trap and, and our man-to-man defense when we switch – is, is pretty pretty tough to, to go against. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. We do turn it up a notch, but I think it's more so because we're it looks like that because it's not because we're playing any harder. It's not because we're executing any better. I just think the other teams are getting wear out either mentally or physically. How long have you been the head coach of Princeton now? This is my fourth year. And it seems like every year your team is more bought in, more bought in, and you can see like your system, because I saw you coach at Borough Valley and things that you were doing there and, you know, as an interim or, you know, helping out when Marquez was not around, Jason Marquez, uh, he had family issues, you know, well-documented. And then you came in and you could see what you were trying to do. And then throughout the four years at Princeton, I mean, more and more every year. And it seems like the kids are seeing it too and now bought in more and more each year as well. I don't think it's a shock that, you know, uh, they were having this much success with our system that we got in place uh, with these seniors because they were freshmen when I took over. So I think, you know, it starts it starts with our freshman coaches, which Coach Mark Raby and Coach Cale Davis does a nice job with, and our sophomores, which Coach Tim, Tim Smith and Coach Daniel Murray and Coach Anna Murray does a nice job with, up to Coach Fredericks and Coach Coney and myself in the, in the varsity. So, you know, we try to lay blocks down to the freshman level, up to the sophomore level, and then up to the varsity level. So nothing's a shock to their system. And if you can just build in things like effort, right, diving for loose balls, winning the 50-50 balls, and def- 
if you can build those two in your program that is a freshman and a sophomore, then good things are going to happen when they're a varsity player. So I don't think it's a shock, like I said. I think they've done a really nice job with buying in. It's, it's fun to watch that pay dividends uh, here when they're seniors, that's for sure. I'm glad you mentioned your assistant coaches. I mean, almost every single name that you just mentioned either former coaches or former, you know, all-state or really, really good all-conference players, every single one of them. I am really blessed to have a coaching set that I have. Um, I feel like we got two to three, maybe even four head varsity basketball coaches on the staff. You know, nobody has an ego. Nobody is bigger than one person. I will sit and listen to my coaches. I will sit and listen to my players. You know, I will make adjustments off of what they see. They feel free to talk. I feel free to talk to them. And that's the thing is if the kids see that we all buy in as a team, as a coaching staff, and that we're just not one guy. And I think they buy in that to do, to do that on the floor as well. So, you know, it just starts from the top, right? And it goes, trickles down to the bottom. And I'm so blessed to have those guys uh, on the bench with me uh, night in and night out. I know our listeners can hear the noises in the background. You were at a game. I'm sorry I interrupted you, but I do appreciate you having a word with us. Edge of your seat podcast about this amazing season that the Princeton Tigers are having. Yeah, I'm glad to be on. I'm glad you had us on. Um, we really appreciate all the work that you do. We're just excited and happy to, to help you out and you help us out. I think it's a win-win, right? Yeah, I mean, we're kind of partners, too, here. That's right. Exactly. We got to, I mean, we, me and you, uh, we, we had our conversations in the in the football booth and stuff like that, so we've known each other for a while now. It's just, it's fun to uh, just chat it up with you and just talk to you about uh, a game that I love so much. Definitely, and I love it, too, and you just brought up the football booth. It's awesome what you guys are doing there, making sure that, you know, Princeton is still getting coverage. I know the radio station is, you know, not really radio station anymore, but you guys have been able to put this product out that Princeton fans and people like me, I'd say I'm a Princeton fan, but I'm also, you know, a guy in the area that's always watching sports, and it's awesome what you guys are doing. Well, we appreciate that. I know there's a lot of hard work and uh, and a lot of extra effort that goes behind the scenes to make all that happen. But, uh, you know, I'm glad it's all worked out. And, you know, Prince is a place that everybody wants to come to and want to watch, and we love it. So we're excited that that's happened. And it's kind of nice to have a – to be the place that one everybody wants to go to or see or watch, you know. So it's, it's pretty fun times at Princeton High School, that's for sure. Well, I'll let you go, Coach Smith. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Brandon. I appreciate it, bud. It's January, so there's a couple things going on every single January. First, we have high school basketball season. It's a marathon throughout the whole month as we go into February and playoff time. And then, of course, if you're a wrestling fan, we got the Royal Rumble, which is on tonight. I got old ones in the back on mute just for background imagery. Grady Thompson, our guest today, are you a fan of wrestling or the Royal Rumble? I am. My brother and a lot of my family actually used to wrestle, so... Okay, okay. Are you going to check out the Royal Rumble tonight? I probably won't have time. You are a busy man. Unfortunately. Otherwise, I would. Do you have a favorite wrestler, either of all time or right now? Uh, not really. I, I don't really watch it a lot, but, like, I watch it when it's on, you know what I mean? Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. So just yep. a casual, hey, my family's got it on, I'll check it out for a second. Yep. On your way to your room to go play video games. Yep. What are your uh, favorite video games? I know you're playing video games before I rudely interrupted. Playing Rainbow Six Siege. Uh, I, I enjoy playing uh, NBA 2K. So, I mean, it's basketball. NBA 2K is my game. I That's probably the only game I've bought each year for the last, like, I don't know, 20. Mm-hmm. You play, you've been playing NBA 2K 23? Yep, sure have. 
Yeah, me too. It's a good game, good game. Well, the real reason we had you on was not to talk about wrestling or to talk about video games, but basketball. You are a senior on the Princeton Tiger basketball team, which is currently 24-0. and Yeah, let me say that again. 24 wins, zero losses, as we are at the end of January. Grady, you guys have been putting in work. Yeah, yeah, we have day in, day out, at least uh, good things like that. What is it about this team that gels so well? Yeah, everybody's got individual athleticism. This person can shoot. A couple of you can dunk. This person's a better defender. What makes a team gel together in the way that you guys have so far? Uh, I think with us, it's more than just being teammates. Like, we're, we're friends, and we all know our role, too. Like, we know who the guys are and what they're good at. So I think we all just buy into what our job is, and that makes our team so good. Doesn't hurt that you guys have Division One athletes and basketball players that would start on any squad in the state of Illinois. Yeah, no, that, that helps for sure. You got Tegan, he's going to Iowa next year, so the athleticism for him, and then you got two dudes over, or three dudes, 6'5 and taller, so it, it helps a ton. Who are the three dudes that are 6'5 and taller? I know Noah is one of them. Noah, Colton, and then Bennett's like right around 6'5. It's Noah Laporte, Bennett Williams, and the other one is? Colton Monroe. Colton Monroe, gotcha. We got to give them shout-outs. We can't talk about them and not say their names. Yeah, of course. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So you guys have been, you know, lifelong friends, or at least through the school ages, and now you guys are kind of just putting everything together and kind of fine-tuning it into a pretty amazing basketball squad. I mean, everybody is coming to a gym near them to come see you guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We've all been friends for quite a while. Court Lawson just came this past year, but he did right in with us. So, yeah, it's been fun. How long have you been playing basketball? Uh, I've been playing since fourth grade. The way I started was uh, I did Elks Hoop Shoot. You know what that is? I sure do. Yeah, so my first year was the night before the local one, and my dad goes, hey, I'm going to do the free throw contest tomorrow. Sure, why not? I got nothing else to do. So I, I won that, and then I. I went on to win the district, which was over at IDCC, and then I, I made it to date, and I ended up getting third my first year. So Gotcha. So you're like, eh, I guess if you want me to, Dad, you show up and just drill a bunch of free throws. Yep, that, that's what I did. So <laughs> Was it like the game at Chuck E. Cheese's, or, you know, you're just the one-handed little free throws? No, I, I used two hands. I'm sure my form wasn't very good, but I made enough to win. So, And that's all that matters, right? I'd say it was a little bit of luck, if, I, if I'm be honest. The first one, and then after that, it was hard work. Because so. then you realize, like, hey, I kind of like this, and then you just kept doing it. Yep. I mean, obviously, playoffs are coming next, or coming up really, really close, really shortly. And at this point, you know, I know the fans, I know parents are saying or thinking this, but for you guys, is the mentality state or bust? I wouldn't say state or bust. I think... We've accomplished a lot this season. So, like, hey, we have a goal, but we're not making it, like, put so much pressure on ourselves that if we don't get there, we're going to crush or, you know, crush ourselves. But, of course, we want to win it. That's kind of what's going on? Yeah, definitely. definitely. We've been putting the work in to get to the goal of the state championship. But right now, we're just taking it one day at a time. 
So we know that this group coming in had athletic ability, could play the game, you know, all this other stuff. What does Jason Smith add to, you know, the equation? Good coach, long-tenured coach. This is his fourth year at Princeton. What is it about him and what he can do with players to make the success that is happening happen? But Jason, I think, I think he, uh, he can relate to it, even though he's older than us, obviously. They're relating to us, and he pushes us to get better every day. And I think with our group and how athletic we are, I think something we need is a, a person to push up day in, day out, like he does. And then, of course, with the team, uh, again, we've said this many times, of the abilities of each single one of you, is there ever any you know, animosity or competitiveness or something that might be taken negative with Princeton when you guys are all you know, playing for the same goal? I'd say that's competitive, competitiveness between between all of us, but I, I wouldn't take that as a negative. In practice, you got to be competitive practice here and there, but like it's, it's nothing personal. It's just part of the game. Have you or anybody else, you know, ever felt like overshadowed? Like, hey, you know, I played good this game. Why does this person get attention? Is there anything like that ever? No, I don't think so. I think everybody gets their turn, like, in the spotlight, if that makes sense. Like, obviously, I'm not going to play the best every night. And uh, Noah or Tegan or Colton Court or whoever is going to play well. And I think we're all happy for each other when they when we do well. And if they get shot out the paper, coach talks about them in the, after the game or whatever, like, I think we're all happy for each other. That's awesome and a huge key to a successful basketball program because if everybody's jealous of each other, you know, that causes problems. Yeah, definitely. You don't want the me, me, me. It's a, it's a we, not me. We, not me. I love it. I love it. When I heard that the first time, I was like, that is great. It is we, not me. Yep, that's our mindset. You are a senior and high school basketball season the end of it is right around the corner what are your plans moving forward so i'm thinking next year i'm not entirely sure where i'm gonna go yet i'm gonna play college basketball somewhere and then uh i plan to study business a business major so okay have you got any basketball looks yet talk to coaches or programs i've got a few offers from some division three schools and a couple juco schools a couple d2s but nothing nothing super good yet Either way, sounds like you're going to get an education and play basketball at the next level. Yep, and that, that's what I want to do. So that's been something I've worked for for quite a while. Well, perfect. Grady Thompson, Princeton senior, major part cog of the Princeton boys basketball team, having the success they have, 24-0 as we get ready for the postseason. It comes by so quickly. It feels like just yesterday that we were, we were at the Ottawa tournament, playing first game. Yeah, and then now it's like, hey, we just got a couple weeks left. Yep. Well, I know I'm going to be there. I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be, you know, rooting for you guys and every other team in our area to do well. So congratulations for everything that you guys have been able to do. Congratulations for the future. And, you know, thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it was a pleasure being up there. Good talking with you. We spoke with Coach Smith. We spoke with Grady Thompson. Now we have another Tiger on this episode. Tegan Davis, return visit to Edge of Your Seat Podcast. How are you doing, my man? I'm not too bad. How are you? Doing all right. It's a Sunday. Kind of a lazy day. There's snow outside, but it's not bad. It's melting. It's a nice day out. No doubt. No doubt. Speaking of nice, the Princeton Tigers have had a nice season playing really, really well. Suffered the first loss last weekend against U High, but still 25-1, and one, still top-seeded in the state. It's got to be a good feeling knowing what you guys are able to do. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a good feeling. Um, we thought we could be in this position earlier this year during summer league and everything, so 
it's good to see his next position and um, just keep working hard and keep trying to hold that number one ranking. So going into the season, I mean, you guys knew you had the talent. Coach Smith is a really good coach. So you kind of knew that you had the pieces together to have a season like this. Oh, yeah, we returned a lot of kids from last year. Um, three of us starters started last year. and well, We've had a lot of experience with everything, and Coach Smith has done a great job coaching us and really keeps pushing us every week. Who is the third starter? I'm guessing it's you, Grady Thompson. Who's the other one? Cole Monroe was a starter last year. I saw you guys against St. Bede, Ottawa, and Burrow Valley. Yeah. He'll shoot threes, he'll drive, he does a little yeah. bit of everything for a big guy. Yeah, he does. He's, a, he's more like a point guard kind of big guy. You know, he, He's really agile and really good at the ball. And I mean, it's got to be cool or fun for you guys to throw down some dunks. Every game, there's at least a couple, and fans on the sideline are putting over-unders on how many dunks you're going to have against people. Yeah, it definitely gets the crowd going and we can dunk every once in a while. And, um, you know, it's kind of cool to be able to have the crowd come and just really enjoy watching that stuff happen. You know, something you don't get to see every day around here and everything. You see people dunking, so it's pretty cool. What I've liked about your guys' run right now is... As journalists, as fans, we've been talking the last five, ten years, especially after COVID, of how attendance for high school basketball games has went down. People don't want to go out. There's, you can watch them on YouTube. There's, you know, channels that are devoted just to play high school basketball games. So the attendance hasn't been up there. But every single Princeton Tiger game that I've went to, whether it was in Princeton or St. Bede or Ottawa, it was a packed house. Yeah, the community's really been traveling all of us this year, and um, definitely had a lot of fans coming, and it's really cool to have a big crowd like that. And it's got to be cool to play in front of that, guessing that you would rather play in front of a packed house instead of an empty one. Oh, yeah, you know, the crowd really works in our favor at a home game, too, you know. They're uh, always powering and keeping us really going, really going and stuff. It really makes it energetic. On the court, what do you think is a couple of your guys' best strengths that are allowing you to win games and, you know, continue with rolling 25-1? and one. A lot of things have to go right, but you're also doing a lot of good things on the court. What are the strengths of this team? We're a really athletic team, so we like to push the ball up and keep the game going a little quick. Um, just got to keep playing good defense with your hands out and stuff. When we were uh, really playing good, we were getting tip passes and uh, just really making their team uh, speed their game up and kind of let us control the pace of the game. So we really do our best. And you guys make it look easy. It, it seems like you guys know exactly where the other player or teammate's going to be. Accurate passes, and like we already talked about, you can throw down dunks or layups. The fast break game, you guys make look really, really easy. We've all played together for quite a while, so you know we all match really well and get together, get to get along really well. So we're able to kind of be able to be in each other's mind on the court and um, just be able to work together really well. We've had some other stuff going on besides a great basketball season. Last time we had chatted, you were committed to go to Eastern Illinois University to play football. Since then, things have changed. What do you got going on now? Uh, I uh, recently signed and committed to uh, Iowa to go play football there, so big change. Yeah, Iowa's a, a major deal, man. Yeah, it is. So how did this happen where you were going to go to Eastern, you decided, hey, I got this other offer. What did Iowa bring to the table or offer you to, you know, kind of switch your opinion and be like, hey, I want to go to play in Iowa? Well, they ended up offering a full-ride scholarship, so, you know, it's a, they got a great program there, you know, great coach and everything, and it's a really famous tradition there. And, you know, I just couldn't really pass the opportunity, you know, to go play at a Big Ten school, and um, getting coached by really one of the best, with Coach Parker, and Coach Ferentz is a great head coach, you know, so it's a great opportunity, and um, definitely going to make the most of it. Definitely. Have they talked about where you're going to play on the field, where they, what they want to do with you as, you know, either offense or defense? Yeah, I'll be playing defense. I'll be a defensive back. 
Okay, so you're going to be like a safety or a corner? Yep. Gotcha. And although you were the quarterback for Princeton and everybody talks about, you know, your runs and your ability to throw, on the defensive side, you were just as much of a big piece of the Princeton Tiger football team as you were offensively. So is that kind of what they saw and what you're making a priority moving for your future? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm a decent athletic guy and stuff, so you know, seeing my defense highlights and um, everything, they kind of saw my ability to go chase after the ball and stuff, so. You know, I'm definitely going to really work on my defensive back stuff more this summer and getting ready for the, the season up there. Gotcha. You're going to go to the uh, weight room a time or two? Oh, yeah. I'll be in there a lot. Is that going to be your second home? Pretty much my first home at this point. <laughs> hey, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And if I recall right, the Iowa coach came to a Princeton Tiger basketball game to see you, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Coach France and uh, Coach Wallace did. That had been a cool experience. I mean, it was a cool experience for people that were there. It was all over Twitter, all over Facebook. People were excited that somebody like that, you know, a, a big-name head coach from a big-time program, not even in the same season, he's a football coach, comes to a basketball game yeah. to see you. Yeah, you know, it was really cool. You know, he's a... He's a great guy, you know, God, he wouldn't talk to all the fans or anything, I came up and talked to him, uh, I thought it was really cool that he came and stuff, and got to watch him play basketball, and uh, it really shows kind of the commitment that he gives to us players, too, and it's just really awesome having him come around, you know, we just don't get to see a back dad around here every day, and it was really cool. Before I let you go, we have to talk about your teammate on the basketball court, yep. Grady Thompson, becomes the all-time leading Princeton Tigers scorer, surpassing yep. Joel Rucklick who had the record for 68 years, was an NBA player, played with Will Chamberlain, has the last assist on the iconic 100-point game for Will Chamberlain, which will, in my mind, always be a record. And you are playing with Grady Thompson, who breaks that record. It had to be in a, a really cool night for you guys. Oh, uh, yeah, it really is. You know, he's a, he's a really hard worker. You know, he's put a lot of time and effort into this. You know, he deserves to break those records. You know, he, uh, he's a great player and a great person, you know. The scoring records came along, you know, he always wants just one to wants to win, and really, he's a great asset for this team, you know, he, uh, a lot of the offense and stuff, and defense all uh, wraps around him and stuff, you know, he's put a lot of time and effort in, and really deserves the place he's been in now, so, really proud of the guy, you know, really happy for him. Having a teammate like that on your team, you're playing with him, did that make you a better basketball player, or make you want to push yourself to, you know, be better for the team? He makes everybody a better player, you know, uh, practice with him every day, he's really up, uh, upbeat, and really energetic and uh so you get to play against a guy that good every day you know it definitely pushes you to get better and makes you a better player overall where are you at on the list are you approaching you know at least top 10 i don't know i hit my uh, thousand points you know it's pretty cool and stuff but keep looking forward to trying to get a stay and stuff though so, so uh just keep pushing for that obviously you know a team never wants to lose you guys did have that one loss against you high last weekend i mean what did it do for you guys what were you guys talking about in the locker room after it happened i mean was it oh my gosh i can't believe we lost you're like hey we lost let's move on how was the mentality of the team after the first loss uh you know it's a good team we played out there the other day so uh heads off to them and stuff but um you know you it's hard to just kind of put that away you have a loss but you know we got to use this fuel and stuff and let it kind of push us forward and keep using it for us to kind of practice harder and stuff. You know, we know that we're beatable and definitely use it every game and that's what it happen again. Definitely. So you're kind of using it as motivation, kind of a fuel to the fire. Yeah, it is. Well, Tegan Davis, always a pleasure to chat with you. Return visit to Edge of Your Seat podcast. Congratulations on going to Iowa. 
congratulations on everything that the basketball team's doing. I mean, Princeton's got it going on right now, every sport, and you are a main big, big, big piece of that. So congratulations for everything that you're doing. Keep doing your thing, man, and thanks for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for the uh, invite today.